Min gjest i dag er pastor Valeri Giletski fra Kisela, Moldova. Han er som en pastor for pastorer, og i noen år var han president for den europeiske baptistfederasjonen. Men han er også en statsmann i det politiske liv. Han var tidligere vispresident for Moldovas parlament. Han har hatt store lederoppgaver i Europarådets parlamentarikerforsamling i Stasburg. Blant annet så var han den som ledet arbeidet med å granske barnevern i Norge. Og han møtte mye motstand, men han brakte fram et produkt som har ført til endringer i Norge i Høyesterett og i Stortinget. I dag møter vi Pastor Giletski her i hovedstaden, og han deler hvordan lyset fra evangeliet skinner inn i alle aspekter av det han gjør. Følg godt med. Reverend Valerio Giletski, welcome to Oslo, Norway. Thank you. Good to be here. You know, I, I met you first time about uh, five years ago, and uh, we've stayed in touch, and it's always been so interesting to follow all your doings. Now, although I invited you to my show because you're really a statesman of the, in the political scene, but you're also a pastor, uh, you're a man of God, you're Reverend Valerio Giletski of Kisinau in Moldova. How did you, in short, how did you encounter Christ? Well, I was born in a village, so I'm a country boy. Uh, I was born in a Christian family. My grandfather was uh, the first uh, Baptist believer in the village, and he was the first pastor who planted the church in the village I was born. It was the time of Soviet Union, so this was not an easy time to be a Christian in the Soviet uh, Union. Uh, but God was good. Uh, I uh, remember when I went to school and uh, we were asked to join so-called the Pioneer Organization, which was a communist organization for teenagers, and came home, told my parents, uh, they uh, gave me an advice and they said, well, we are Christians and you cannot join this pioneer organization. They had this red tie and uh, I was a bit disappointed, uh, but I listened to them, went back to school, told the teacher that I'm not going to become a pioneer. Uh, well, then, uh, in a way, they, you know, laughed at me and uh, uh, I went back home and said, well, this is what happens at school. And then my parents, and in particular my mom, gave me a very good advice. And she said, well, son, this is part of your life. So what you need is uh, you do your best and God will do the rest. So this is what I learned from my childhood, to do my best and God will do the rest. This was like a motto of my life. I finished the school in the village, then I went to the city of Belz, which is not far from my uh, home village. Uh, I went to a college there, uh, studied uh, electronic engineering. Uh, then uh, I went to serve in the Soviet army. Uh, at that time, the war in Afghanistan started, and it was not, again, an easy time. Uh, when in the Soviet army, in that Soviet unit I was serving, uh, they discovered that I'm not a member of the Komsomol, because after you become a member of the Pioneer Organization, you're supposed to join the Komsomol Organization, which is a communist organization for young people. 
I told them I am a Christian and uh, it started all over again and I was threatened to be sent to Afghanistan. I decided to pray and just, you know, trust God and God used somebody in that military unit. And I didn't have to go to Afghanistan, but at the same time I remained a Christian. I came back from the army and uh, started to, uh, you know, be involved in uh, youth ministry. So while in Belts, in the city of Belts, uh, I was attending, uh, you know, the church there. Uh, there was uh, one incident that happened. There was a youth leader who was killed in a car accident. Many still believe that that car accident was, in a way, set up. And uh, he was killed by KGB. What happened was, because he was so popular and known, at his funeral, I think there were over 3,000 people. So there were preachers from Ukraine, Russia, Moldova. And during his funeral, I was somehow deeply touched you know, wow. by the preaching of the gospel. And a few days later, I decided to give my life to Jesus. And this is how I became a believer. And this happened in 1978. So you can believe it's, uh, you know, it's 45 years, I think, ago when this happened when I uh, decided to, to open my heart and to, to follow Jesus. And to this day, you serve as a pastor uh, in the Baptist Church in Kisinau, uh, Moldova, and you love to preach. Yes, I do. I love to preach. I believe uh, God called me to preach. Uh, God called me to preach the gospel. It doesn't matter where, whether it's in the church, in the public square, but uh, it's my call and I answer this call and uh, I'm still preaching the gospel. However, I've never been a senior pastor, so I am, I would say, as you know, there is probably this phrase in English, I'm a bivocational pastor. Yeah. So I kept serving the Lord um, in different capacities, but uh, preaching was and still is my call. But you even served for a few years as the president of the European Baptist Federation. It's true, yeah. I. Uh, Baptist Union of Moldova is a member of the European Baptist Federation and um, I was uh, for two years uh, um, a vice president of the European Baptist Federation and then in 2009 when Baptist movement celebrated 400 years since the first Baptist church was planted in Europe, uh, I became the president of the European Baptist Federation which was a great honor for me to lead the European Baptist movement. I know you also as a pastor of pastors. Now, let me ask you before we delve a little bit into uh, the societal uh, aspects of your ministry. Um, shining the light of Christ in a post-Christian Europe. I mean, you are uh, a lot in Brussels and Strasbourg for the European Council of Europe, for the European Parliament and you're working in this secular environment. How important for you is the gospel? Well, let me start with the call I, I felt uh, to be involved in, in politics. So it was, again, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, uh, I felt that, uh, you know, God uh, brought uh, freedom and, in fact, 
opened a door and uh, it was one of my dreams actually since I was a young man uh, to to be in the public square yeah. and to in a way to show others that you know evangelical Christians they are not worse but in fact maybe they in some regards are better than others but we are citizens with the same rights and yeah. it's important for us as uh, uh, Lord told us to be salt and light yes. so we are called to be salt and light and because sometimes when I'm asked how could you as a pastor you know uh, <laughs> go into politics and I said well it depends on the call exactly if you feel that God is calling you then you'll follow that call and that exactly. is important yeah. you know and for that reason I decided to run and I think I am the first evangelical believer who was elected in parliament in the former USSR um, and later on I uh, because I was a member of parliament of Moldova I was appointed to be in the parliamentary assembly of the Council of Europe. Moldova is a member of the Council of Europe like Norway. We are not members of the European Union yet. Uh, so uh, I served uh, in the parliamentary assembly of the Council of Europe. Now I have also the honor to lead the European Christian political movement, which is an uh, European party, political party. It's in fact the only Christian European political party and uh, this gives me an opportunity you know to be uh, both in the uh, european parliament but, but also in the parliamentary assembly of the council of Actually, europe just for three four weeks ago i heard you speak in the european parliament yeah so that is again uh, an opportunity an opportunity for me to be there and as i mentioned uh, earlier to be salt and light because even we live in a as we you mentioned post-christian europe we live yeah. in a secular europe yeah. I still believe that uh, God can mm. use us and uh, there is need uh, to light, to, to be a light, to yeah. be a light uh, in this uh, secular society. And isn't it true that so many politicians, when they get out of the politicking, actually are longing for a, a relationship with, uh, with Christ? Well, it's true when you, you know, sit with them, talk with them, you pray with them, they open their hearts. Mm. Uh, the problem is uh, this uh, pressure, you know, yeah. the societal pressure, media pressure, mm -hmm. and people, and it's also kind of, uh, how to say, uh, it's a mentality that uh, faith should be kept private, yeah. which in a certain degree is right, it's mm -hmm. true, you know, our personal relationship with the Lord is a personal relationship with the Lord, but at the same time, I think that we as Christians are called to, um, you know, to share our witness, mm. to be influencers, to, to influence the society, because this is what salt does. <laughs> when you put some salt in your food, then you feel the taste. So this is what we are called to do. And again, you need wisdom how to do it, but it would be wrong to... Uh, how to say, to put your faith uh, uh, under the table or in a corner so nobody would know that you are a Christian. Because again, you cannot separate faith yeah. from your life, from including public life. You can, uh, we, we do believe and I believe in the separation of church and state. But separation of church and state doesn't mean to separate faith yeah. from yeah state a good point <laughs> and when you make decisions when you as a statement as a member of parliament member of government 
you, you need to be aware that there is a moral dimension in every decision you make, and that is important. And yeah. then faith plays a very good role uh, when you make those decisions. You know, these couple of days you're in Norway, I, I, I talked with a few members of our parliament and who met you. You've met with politicians from the whole spectrum, uh, uh, political spectrum, and it seems like they all enjoyed meeting you. And that speaks volumes about the integrity that also comes with uh, shining the light of Christ. Well, thank you. Well, this is, was one of my, how to say, uh, probably approaches or, you know, way of being a politician. Yeah. Uh, from the very beginning, when I became a member of, member of parliament, I decided uh, that politics, in a way, or the fact that I, I am with a party, with yeah. a political party, uh, will come second because the most important for me is uh, so people will see me as uh, you know as a Christian as a man of God and then then you cross those barriers yeah. those borders and that is important I I uh, one of the principles would be not to attack somebody on a personal level exactly. you know, to respect everyone for what he or she believes yeah. And then you create room, you know, for discussion and dialogue, and that is important. Yeah. And that room that you create uh, is what you described, you know. Then you see people after years, and you can greet each other, yeah. you can give a hug to each other, and even we disagree. Then I met with some members of the Norwegian parliament. I know that some of them voted against uh, some of my reports. At the same time, they voted in other circumstances, they supported my reports. But this didn't, uh, how to say, prevent me to, to be a, a good friend and, you know, to, to have this uh, good relationship. Well, actually, I saw today, you know, you met um, a, a politician in parliament from the other side of the yeah. spectrum. And the, the, the clear joy and trust that was there with you immediately, that was so uh, good to observe. Yeah, and I have a good story with that. <laughs> you see, I, I was presenting once a report, which was very important for me. That was in the, the Council of Europe, right? Council of Europe, a report, uh, if I recall it exactly, the right of parents to, you know, educate uh, their children uh, according to their religious or philosophical beliefs, which is, you know, mentioned in the European Charter of Human Rights yes. and the International Declaration of Human Rights. Uh, so it was very interesting that it was a report I, you know, developed that, uh, you know, that, that right that parents have. But uh, for some reason, uh, members of uh, the Parliamentary Council of Europe, especially from the left side, mm -hmm. they decided to vote against. And after I presented the report, uh, I had many critical views. And as a rapporteur, at the end of your report, you have time to reply. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was taking notes, thinking that I would reply. But when I heard so many criticism, so many critics, you know, a lot of criticism, uh, somehow I felt, you know, from God, I believe, Holy Spirit whispered to me, mm. I think it's better just to tell the Parliament Assembly your testimony, yeah. what it meant for you to be a Christian in the time of the Soviet Union. So I said, you know, I can reply to all criticism, but I would rather tell you what it meant for me to be a Christian. And I told them my story. Yeah. And after I told my story, I ended with like these words. You know, 
I came here to Strasbourg and I was dreaming that there would come a day in my country when we would enjoy freedom, including religious freedom. And you are telling me here in the capital of Europe, the house that is called, you know, the, the, the beacon of light, beacon of human rights and so on, that I cannot educate my children according to my beliefs. What is that? And then there was a silence and then there was a vote. And after the vote, uh, I, uh, I saw the miracle because it was, <laughs> I think, one or two votes needed for the resolution to be adopted. But then the recommendation needed two thoughts. And I thought, well, two thoughts, no way I can obtain. But then God did the second miracle and I got enough, exactly enough votes for the recommendation. And uh, some members of parliament came to me and said, well, we were, I mean, we decided to vote against. But listening to your story, to your personal wow. testimony, we couldn't vote against it. So that, that shows you a way that we are humans and then God, you know, exactly. can touch our hearts. And then if you, if you do the right thing and yeah. if you do for the right cause, then uh, you, God is blessing you. That is important, I believe, even yeah. in our post-Christian and secular Europe. Exactly. Powerful, powerful testimony. Uh, now, you've been uh, the vice president of the Moldovan parliament. You've been um, uh, the chair of the uh, uh, judges selection committee in the Council of Europe's parliamentary assembly. Of course, they're the ones who finally um, have a say on who will become the, the judges of, of human rights in Strasbourg. And you've been the chairman of the uh, social affairs committee. committee yeah. Exactly. So you've had some tremendously influential positions. but. Uh, how is it? Is it primary for you to win at all costs? Or do you also see the need for consensus, trying to bring people together? Well, uh, you see, life uh, is a fight. So uh, I think Apostle Paul says, at least in uh, Romanian version, says that I fought the good fight. So we, we, we are called to fight, you know, and yeah. I remember when I was a student, one of my professors in Romania, he said that the children are born with twists, you know, because they, they are ready to fight from the very moment they come into this world, so that we are ready to fight. So, especially politicians, you know, they, yeah. they like to fight, and in fact, everyone is fighting, because yeah. again, life is a battle, life is a battlefield, and is. Uh, we are called to fight, but it's important what kind of fight. Is it a good fight or not a good yeah. fight? So for me, because it's important, uh, how to say, it's important to defend those values that you believe in. Yeah. These are biblical values, moral values. They are important and you, you, you fight for them. Uh, I had the reports, you know, I was fighting for those reports, but I also realize that in order for a report to be adopted, you need to accept, as you said, not necessarily compromise, but a consensus, to yeah. reach a consensus. Yeah. So consensus is also important because we are humans and maybe I don't see something the way they see and then uh, you, you are open for a dialogue and for discussion. And uh, in my political activity, many times I, I discussed, I tried to convince my opponents, you know, yeah. and uh, if I was not successful in convincing them 100%, then I would accept something from them. But the fact that 
all the reports I presented uh, were adopted. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a sign that uh, you can do it. You can do it, and you can do it even with those who have different opinions, different views on certain mm -hmm. things. You know, I recall so well, in 2018, you were the rapporteur in the Council of Europe uh, about the child protection system. And, uh, and you got a good majority. But the interesting thing, even people who were not in agree with, agreement with you from Norway, uh, you know, it led to a Supreme Court change in Norway of the system, and unanimous uh, decision by the parliament in Norway from the Marxists to the right to actually start an investigation of the whole system. So it shows a little bit how you've worked. Well, yeah, it's true. You see, when I uh, presented the draft report uh, to the committee, the Social Affairs Committee, and the Parliament of the Council of Europe, um, there were different, you know, opinions. And then I had to discuss, especially with the Norwegian delegation, mm -hmm. uh, to discuss with them because there were some issues they they felt they were not fair and then i accepted and i just as you mentioned earlier you know uh, decided to to reach a consensus and that consensus helped uh, the report to be adopted exactly uh, and i am glad to hear that your supreme court you know that took mm. on board uh, uh, that principle that it's so important that the best place for a child is family yes. so then if you have father and mother, you have a family, then the best place for a child to be is in a family. Yes. Of course, families have some problems, and this is why the report was called the Catholic, like how you reach a balance, you know, between, between uh, the best interest of the child and the right of families to be together. So striking the balance was, so that was, this is what I was trying to achieve, to strike that balance because the best interest of the child doesn't exclude, and in fact, it includes his right to be with the family, to be with his or her parents. So that is kind of like the main, the main idea of this report. Of course, there were several you know, chapters, but this was the main idea that I tried to, to convey to the assembly, and particular to Norwegian authorities, and I'm very glad that your Supreme Court uh, you know, accepted this, and there was unanimity when they decided to kind of like review the, 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 the practice of your social uh, protection of children. And even today, I saw with my own eyes some of those who were vehemently against your report, they now received yeah. you, and <laughs> yeah. uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it is. Thank you. Uh, Reverend Valery Gletsky, of course, you're a father of three children? Yes. And how many grandchildren? Six grandchildren, and the seventh is on the way. And your beautiful wife, Marina, is yes. actually with you here in Norway now? Yes. Hey, uh, I know that you go from uh, some cities to, 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 to some cities and to uh, parliaments like the Council of Europe and uh, Brussels, etc., to bring people also together to pray and to do do, do you find that uh, politicians are open to that well some politicians are mm -hmm. what i find is that that is good uh, from my own experience of being a member of parliament in moldova uh, i was elected in uh, for the first time in 1998 mm -hmm. so it was a while ago 
And uh, even today, if I meet uh, somebody from uh, the parliament back then, uh, somebody who was a member of that prayer group in the parliament, they tell me that the best memories they have <laughs> are those moments oh. where we would come together, you know, share a cup of coffee, uh, reading a portion of scripture, praying together. Because again, politicians, they like to fight, but that is a different kind of fight. Yeah. But when you come together and you just openly, you know, listen to one another, you see what the word of God is telling you. Somebody may have some needs, personal needs, family needs, and it's so private, it's so just, you know, personal, it yeah. stays there, but you pray for each other, and that is so important. And as I said, after 20-something years, I, I, I meet those, uh, and those relations, they are staying, you know. There is this principle that political life is shorter than life. So then you need to think <laughs> a bit beyond what is that. And, and, and there are, this is one area where we can build long-lasting relationship. This is one thing. Another is it helps you. It helps you emotionally. It holds, helps you spiritually. And, and, and we need this. Even politicians, they need this. And uh, this is what I discovered. Uh, so this is what I'm trying to do to, you know, to encourage members of parliament mm -hmm. to come together, sit together, pray together. And uh, I find it a tremendous uh, blessing, you know, for, for even for political activity, because it's, it's how to say, of course, we are aware that when we go into the chamber, we may vote differently, mm -hmm. but there is still something that unites us. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Lord Jesus is the one that can unite us and the Word of God is that platform on which we can build our lives. We can, you know, build the, the well-being of our societies, of our countries, and that is very important. Well, Reverend Valery Letsky, what an honor to have you with us in Norway and even on my TV show. So I wish you the richest blessings for you and your wife Marina and your kids and grandkids. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Jan. Thank and you. Yeah, God yes. bless you. God bless you too. Jeg synes det er så fantastisk når folk har korset på seg. Jeg går veldig mye med dette korset her, nådekorset. Og det er jo et tomt kors, så det er ikke bare korset med den lidende, døende Jesus på, men det er det oppstandelseskorset, det er nådekorset heter det her konkrete. Så enten jeg møter muslimer, buddhister, taoister, hinduer, så vet jeg bare de ser korset mitt, så forstår de at dette er et budskap jeg tror på. Og han som jeg tror på, han lever. Det er Jesus Kristus.